Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Things are bad. Things will get better, but things will get worse before they get better. Today's Gospel lesson comes eight days after Jesus explained to His disciples that the Son of Man must suffer and that He must be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and He will be killed. And on the third day, He will rise. And after Jesus said this to His disciples, He said to all, And if anyone would come after Me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me, Jesus said, and of my words... Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and all his holy angels. You see, Jesus had to say what he said. His disciples continually thought that things were going to get better and better and that they were going to get better in this life. They were hanging, the disciples were, they were hanging on to a false belief that they were going to have fulfillment in this life. They were thinking of their loyalty towards Jesus and that that loyalty was going to pay off and they would be rulers in this world. They thought that they would be standing right next to Jesus who they thought was going to come in and set up an earthly kingdom. And they thought that they were going to be going from one glory unto the next. Jesus walking on waters to moving mountains to feeding 5,000 to healing. It just wasn't going to stop. They were seeing larger and larger crowds following Jesus and they had no reason to believe that the good times were ever going to end. They were just going to keep on rolling. The disciples' belief in an earthly fulfillment, it's the same illusion that you and I are tempted to live under. The world tells us that we have the power through technology to cure every disease. They tell us that through social justice, we will have peace on earth. They tell us that if we have enough money and can manage that money well enough, that we will be worry-free in our golden years. They tell us that if we are successful in what we do, we will have many friends and the like. They tell us that technology brings the world together through social media. And yet suicide and loneliness is on the rise, even among young women. The world keeps looking for fulfillment in this life. And Jesus was blunt. Things are bad. 
Things are bad because man is sinful. Things will get worse because man's sin, it knows no limits. It will go as far as the Lord allows it. God even allowed our sin to attack, rise up, and slay His one and only Son. He who knew no sin became sin, and the wrath of God destroyed sin on the cross of Jesus. Because of this, even though things are bad and even even though sin will get worse, thanks be to God, sin has been paid for. And because Jesus rose from the dead, things will get better. More than that, things will be made perfect. You see, God's children follow Jesus and they follow Him right through death into life. In Jesus, we lay down our lives for our neighbor's sake. We don't compete with our neighbors. We love them, even if they hate us. We endure hardships and knowing, we do this knowing that the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, it is ours already. As it was noted before, the people needed to know what was going to happen. They needed to know that even when things seemed like total chaos, God would remain faithful by His grace. He let them know that when the culture of death rose up and killed the God of life with all of its strength, it would actually be defeated when on the third day, The Son of God would rise and take off those linen strips. Death in those days would be swallowed up by life. And to make sure that the leaders of the church understood this, Jesus took with him Peter, John, and James. He went up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and Jesus' clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were with him, Elijah and Moses, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. What was Jesus doing? And why was this necessary? He hadn't done it until now. Why was this important? Jesus was foreshowing, as we prayed in our collect today, he was foreshowing our adoption by grace. In other words, Jesus was letting them, his disciples, and us who read their testimony know that he is who he is. And the heavenly bodies that he, the heavenly body that he had, one day all believers in Christ will inherit. He was revealing to them that the fullness of his glory, and he was giving us a foretaste of our future with him. The junk that you deal with in this body, it's not the end. And in your own body, things are bad. And in your own body, I guarantee you, things will get worse. 
But Jesus is letting us know that in our own bodies, things will be made perfect. This image that they foresaw, that they saw, it would encourage the disciples when they daily picked up their cross. And when James and Peter especially uh, were killed for their faith in Jesus, they knew where they were going. You see, it is no coincidence that we see the transfiguration as the last text before Lent begins. For in the transfiguration, we see the fullness of Him who fulfilled the Scripture. He is the fulfillment of the law which Moses proclaimed. He is the fulfillment of the prophets which Elijah was the chief. And in Him, in Jesus, dwells the fullness of God. This, this is who will be hanging naked on a tree for you and for me. He was showing them that his glory was his before he went to that cross. And it was the Son of God indeed who would be dying for our sins. Moreover, Jesus is also letting each and every one who believes in him know that heaven is yours even now. As you dwell in this fallen world, guess what? You are sons and daughters. You are children of God. All creation, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, all of creation is groaning is longing to see what you will become. Now, we struggle with sin. Now, we are marginalized by the world for our faith in Jesus. Now, we endure the weight of sin as people kill, use, hurt, and slander one another for personal gain. But this is not the end. Even as we march through this season of Lent, that is this whole world, we look forward to the resurrection of the body when we will be made to be like our Lord who paid the weight of our sin. Today's gospel lesson gives us a foretaste of the promised land as God gave to Moses in our Old Testament lesson. Viewing the transfiguration, it is a reminder that the evil in this world, it will not have the final say. It won't. The evil that we struggle with in our own sinful nature, it will be stripped away from us. And we will live forever with the Lord in glory. Now Peter, James, and John didn't want to wait for glory. In other words, they didn't want to suffer any more in this life. I can relate to them. I don't like suffering. I don't even like washing the dishes. <laughs> but we can relate. The reason that people run after all the fleeting pleasures of this world is because they want suffering to stop now. We want heaven now. 
And yet to get our individual pieces of heaven on earth, we as a human race fight each other over the things of this world because we all want our best life now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to lay down our lives for our neighbor. We would rather, if at all possible, have our neighbors lay down their lives for us. That's our sin talking. Anyway, when Peter saw the glory of the resurrection in this fallen world, he totally threw out the fact that eight days earlier, Jesus told him and his followers to pick up their crosses. The Bible reads, Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake and they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him, and as they were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you not knowing what he had said. The first step was to make tents of worship for heaven on earth. But if he wouldn't have been sleeping, what Jesus, he would have heard what Moses, Jesus, and Elijah were talking about. The Bible says that Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were actually talking about the fulfillment of the scripture that Jesus was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. The Bible says that they who appeared in glory spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. You see what was happening? He who has has heaven reside in his very person was talking about No, that's not right. The person who has heaven residing in his very person was talking about laying down his life to save others and to take them out of here. He was talking about departing this world in service to those who are perishing in it. Jesus had come from the Father, he was returning to the Father, but he would return to the Father through the way of love. He would not be running around on this earth trying to get all that he could at the expense of his neighbor. He wasn't trying to keep up with the Joneses. He was not he was instead speaking the truth of God and serving his neighbor in his body. Jesus was doing what he calls all who follow him to do. You see, the important thing to recognize is that even now you are beneficiaries of the King of Glory's work. In baptism, the Bible says that he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in which we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It says you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a people of his own possessions. 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus rescued you. He rescued us, the bride, his church. And the church follows the bridegroom in laying down her life for the world around her. Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. And he sends us with his saving word and the Holy Spirit. We are equipped with his love that makes us loving. And we love even though loving can mean suffering. We love even though it means we carry our cross. Things may be bad, and they will get worse. But in the transfiguration of Jesus, we get a glimpse of the future. We know things will get better. We know things will be perfect. But until that day, we are reminded that we don't suffer alone. The very Jesus who was transfigured before the disciples, he is living with us here. He is with us in this valley. He unites with us in the bread and the wine that are his body and blood. He has not left us as orphans. You see, every time we receive the supper, we have a foretaste of the feast to come. We have a foretaste of heaven. We don't see Jesus transfigured, but we know that he who was on that mountain is here with us in this plain. And because of that, we are not afraid, no matter how bad things get. The disciples didn't even fear torture. They didn't fear death, because the one who overcame death and the grave was with them, and he was carrying them home. He will carry you home as well. Take his word as a pledge, as a guarantee that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is leading you through the way of love to the heavenly home that he has won for you. And he didn't win it on the mountain of transfiguration, but rather on the mountain of called Calgary. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you.